1: I mean, brought you Bibles. Good. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm going to read out of the New King James, but we'll turn to several. Okay? Turn to several versions before the night's over. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he, Paul's talking here, and he says, He, Jesus, he being Jesus, and Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Some a prophet. Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Several weeks ago we began studying the book of First Corinthians, and we started in First Corinthians chapter one, verse one, and we never got out of verse one. All right. First Corinthians chapter one, verse one says this: Paul called to be an apostle. Everybody say an apostle. apostle. An apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sophanus, our brother. And we got to that verse and I quickly discovered as we was talking about that verse that many people might not understand and need clarification on what is an apostle. In fact, the only thing many times that we hear about an apostle today is late night TV with those TV preachers that want your money. And uh, unfortunately, that's probably not the best Uh, example of a godly apostle alright so we begin talking about what is an apostle what is a true apostle because the Bible talks about true apostles the Bible talks about false apostles in fact the book of Revelation tells us that the Bible tells the church at Ephesus commended God commended the church at Ephesus because they recognized and did not receive the ministry of false apostles so what is a false apostle what is a true apostle are they still available today? Are apostles still today, or they, have, have they gone away and, and are discontinued? So we started talking about the ministry of an, an apostle, and then I realized with, well, if, if our people don't really are not sure about the ministry of an apostle, they might not be sure about the ministry of a prophet. And they might not be sure about the ministry of an evangelist, and they might not fully understand what the role of the pastor is. And they might not really realize that there's also God-called teachers in the body of Christ. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 details to us what the Bible, what scholars, religious scholars, tell us are the five... They call it the five-fold ministry. Five ministry gifts. Each one of these offices are specifically given by God. In fact, they are gifts given by God... To the church. And they are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. All right? So I thought, well, let's just talk about those for the next several weeks. Now, in the Old Testament, the ministry offices the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher they ministered to the Lord for the people. And they were mostly called priests priest and every once in a while you would hear something about a prophet but they were priests, and they would minister to the Lord remember the people in the Old Testament they would bring their lambs they would bring their turtle doves they would bring their sacrifices they would give them to the priest and the priest would offer them and minister to the Lord so in the Old Testament one the ministry offices the priest the prophet they did they ministered for the people Because the people did not have the Spirit of God on the inside of them in the Old Testament. These offices in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, operate different than they did in the Old Testament. Look back at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Why did he give them Paul? Paul wrote Ephesians for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the role of the priest or the ministry offices are different in the New Testament than they were in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Bible says we're all priests. We don't have to have to go to a priest. Now I know that some churches today, uh, the Catholic church and some of those churches, they still believe in some way the priest and, and Mary can intercede to God for them. But that's not what the Bible teaches. You can go to God yourself. The Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to, to help in time of need. The Bible says each one of us are priests. We are priests. Did you know you're the priest of your home? You're the priest of your home. You're the priest of your home. You don't have to call me to, for me to go to the Lord for you. You can go to the Lord for yourself. You're welcome just like a holy man. Just like a holy man. You're welcome just like Wayne the holy man. So you can go to the presence of the Lord. So, But we still have ministry offices. So what do they do today? In the Old Testament, they went to the Lord for the people. But today, you go to the Lord for yourself. So what do they do today? Well, notice what it says in verse number 12 again. Notice these gifts were given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the job of the ministry priesthood today, the ministers, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, their job is to perfect or mature the saints. To perfect or mature the saints. Why? So the saints can be equipped and trained for the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. Over the years, the role of the ministry gifts have become distorted. They've become distorted. Everyone who stands in these ministry offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher, anyone who stands in these offices have been chosen and appointed by God. Man simply confirms The God appointment. Alright? My granny used to say it this way. I think I told you this. Some are called. Some are sent. Some just packed up and went. And uh, the best ones are the ones whom God calls. That's the one. So we still believe that God calls men and women to the ministry offices. They have been appointed and anointed by God. Alright? Now... Remember the scriptures that says, many are called, but few are what? Chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So that lets us know that God calls a lot of people, but not everybody is separated into ministry. Do you remember do you remember over there in Acts chapter 9? Paul is called to the ministry on the road to Damascus. Remember, the, he was Saul then. Remember, he had that encounter with God where a light showed from heaven. Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the pricks? You know, and who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. You remember that story? And the Lord said to him, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles, I'm going to send you to them. He was called right then, divinely inspired and called by God, supernaturally by then. But did you know, even though he was called in Acts chapter 9? He wasn't separated unto ministry until you get to Acts chapter 13. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 about verse number 1, and there were uh, at Antioch certain prophets, teachers, began with uh, Barnabas, and there was five or six of them, and the last name mentioned was Saul. And it says in verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. That's what the King James says. Now listen to what he says. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separ-, but ministering to the Lord and, ministering to the Lord, you can teach all night on what does it mean to minister to the Lord. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So listen to what the Lord says. He says, separate them now for that which they've been called to do. In other words, they were called. Paul was called in Acts 9, but he wasn't separated to ministry to Acts 13. Now, a lot of people believe Acts 9 happened on Thursday, Acts 10 happened on Friday... Acts 11 happened on Saturday. Acts 12 happened on Sunday. And on Acts 13 happened on Monday. But did you know, most scholars believe there's anywhere from 9 to 14 years between Acts Acts 9 and Acts 13. 9 to 14 years between Acts 9 and Acts 13. So listen, Paul was called in Acts 9. He wasn't separated unto his ministry unto Acts 12. Thirteen, which was anywhere from nine to twelve years. What is the what happens between the calling and the separation? This is why many are called and few are chosen. What happens between the calling and the separation is called the preparation. And a lot of people, and you used to see this years ago. A lot of people they got a call, they got a genuine call, but they thought all, all I needs a call, and they didn't prepare themselves. They didn't study. They didn't educate themselves. They didn't grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. So there is a calling and there is a separation. And the, between the calling and the separation is the preparation. And each one of these five ministry offices, people who have been called to they've been called to them. They've been called to them, divinely called by God. But before they can be separated, they've got to prepare themselves. And that's the reason we have a lot of churches today just about every church has people sitting in the chairs and in the pews if they still have pews and they've got a call of God upon them but they've never really fulfilled their destiny because they never prepared themselves to be separated. Okay? Now, that's not always the case with everybody. Some people go through difficult seasons of ministry. Sometimes life changes, and storms happen. But there's a lot of ministers who have a definite call, but they just didn't pay the price to separate, to prepare themselves so that their separation could take place. Everybody with me? You're not? Okay. We'll be that way. Over the years, the role of the ministry gifts have become distorted. In the evangelical churches, in the evangelical churches, the minister, the pastor, is a hired servant of the people. He's a hired servant of the people. We hired you. We can fire you. You know. They elect the pastor. Uh, they, they. Some churches, they still vote on them every two or three years. Things of that nature. And in those type of churches, apostles and prophets, like the Methodist Church, Baptist Church, places like that. Apostles and prophets are not even existent. You don't, they, don't ever have a, they don't even know anything about apostles and prophets. And then you get over there in the, in the charismatic world, in the Word of Faith, the Pentecostal world, a place like that. Uh, the pastor in many churches is served by the people. And the apostle rules over the people. And the prophets spend their time giving personal words of prophecy... And even these ways are distortions of the proper biblical pattern set forth uh, by the Word of God and these offices in the church. It's not the pastor's job to rule over the people. It's not the pastor's job to work for the people. There's a line between there. There's a balance between those two. The pastor's job is to equip the the flock for the work of the ministry. So it's... uh, there's a difference between treating the ministry offices as royalty and treating them with respect, and we talked about that last week. A lot of these charismatic churches, and I love the charismatic world, I've cut my teeth in there, but they treat their pastor as royalty, and that's and there's okay. It's okay to treat them with respect, but they're not God. Amen. They're human. They're human. They are. They they can make mistakes. And some of those charismatic churches, pastor, people don't think they can make a mistake. Well, they're living in a false reality. Every man can make a mistake. But at the same time, you get into some churches and the pastor is just treated like a hired hireling, a hired servant. And people feel like they have a right to talk about him, criticize him. Have you ever gone home and had roast pastor for Sunday dinner? You know, in some churches, roast pastors the Sunday meal, every meal. Well, that's sin. That's wrong. That's you're losing a respect. I tell you, one of the challenges is is the sin of familiarity. A lot of people get real familiar and they lose their respect for the God called office of the pastor. They get close to the pastor and can no longer see him as a God called anointed servant. They see him as their buddy. And it's hard for those people to receive. Because, see, the anointing doesn't work through the buddy. The anointing works through the God called pastor. All right? That's who the anointing works through. So, we talked about an apostle. What is an apostle? An apostle comes from the word apostolos, which means one sent forth a messenger. That's what apostle means. One sent forth a messenger. An apostle is one sent forth on a special mission. That's what an apostle is. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 13. Romans chapter 11, verse 13. Notice what Paul says. Paul's writing this. Here's what he says. For I speak to you Gentiles insomuch as I am an apostle. I've been sent on a special mission to who? The Gentiles. I've been sent on a special mission to the Gentiles. So an apostle is one sent on a special assignment. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Look over here at Galatians chapter 2, verse number 8. Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, For he who worked effectively in Peter, for the apostleship to the circumcised... Who's the circumcised? The Jews. He says, For he who worked effectively in Peter... Well, who is he who worked effectively in Peter? Who worked effectively in Peter? Jesus, the Lord, the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, who worked effectively in Peter for, to, be, to send him on a special mi- mission to the Jews, also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. Notice, Paul says, Peter was a, an apostle to the Jews... That's who he was sent to. Whereas Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. He's been sent by God to the Gentiles. There was a time, I wasn't an apostle, although we planted several churches. I knew I was sent to Allgood in Cookville. I was sent there. I was sent there on special assignment. Over the years, we uh, we had eight radio stations in that upper Cumberland area and uh, had a TV program, and, and uh, CBN came to me and said, we want to put you in Nashville. We want to put you on TV in Nashville. CBN, TBN came to me and said, we want to put you on TBN in Nashville. We want to broadcast live, your ser- not live, but tape services uh, uh, in Nashville. And the Spirit of God said to me, I didn't call you to Nashville. I didn't call you. I called you to the Upper Cumberland. I'm, I want you on a TV station that's just this area. Just this area. So for 20 years, when we was up there, I knew my region was those 13 counties around Cookville to that area. And we had eight radio stations that covered that area. And I didn't get beyond that. That was the area that God had called me. I would go out and preach, and I'd be on TV for other programs and share a message or something. But I knew I was called to that area, to that area. And uh, that's what Paul says. I've been called to the Gentiles. I'm staying with the Gentiles. Peter was called to the Jews. I'm staying with the Jews. So that's what an apostle is. We talked about that. A prophet. What's a prophet? A prophet speaks by divine, direct divine inspiration. An immediate revelation. Not something thought up of his own intellect, but something given by divine inspiration. That's what a prophet is. An immediate revelation, not something thought up of his own intellect, but something given by divine inspiration. Now let me share this with you. We have to learn as a church to distinguish between prophesying and the ministry of the prophet. they are two different things. To distinguish between prophesying and the ministry of a prophet. Understand that prophesying... Now listen to this. Prophesying is something every Christian can do. Every child of God can do as the Spirit leads. But the prophet... Not everybody's a prophet. Okay. Remember, God calls certain people to the ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But the Bible says... In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'll show it to you. For you all may prophesy one by one. But not everybody's a prophet. So you've got to learn the difference between what a prophet is and what prophesying is. Or as one fellow said after watching the TV preacher, that's not prophesying, that's prophelying. And uh, so, look at 1 Corinthians 14.3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So what is prophesying? Prophesying is speaking to men in your known language, which with us would be English. Prophesying is speaking to men in your known language in a way that edifies, exhorts, and comforts under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I can say to Bob, Bob, man, I just love you. You're such an encouragement to me. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's immediate and it comes by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That might just come from my experience with Bob. That comes just as a result of my friendship with Bob. And I found him to be such a wonderful brother. Prophesying is when it's immediate and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's in your known language. All right, It's in your known language. Everybody with me? So that's what prophesying is. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, He who prophesies or speaks in their known language speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Here's a good verse. Turn over to Acts chapter 21. Turn over to Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Acts chapter 21, verse number 8. Acts chapter 21, verse number 8. Notice what this says. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions... "...departed and came to Caesarea, and entered the house of Philip..." the evangelist. Now notice the Bible calls Philip an evangelist. In fact, in the New Testament, the word evangelist is mentioned three times, and the two of the three times, it's referring to Philip. The other time is in Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So the word evangelist is only mentioned three times in the New Testament, and two of the times, it has to do with Philip. So notice what it says, Acts one, eight. On the next day, we who were a Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea, and entered the house Of Philip the evangelist we're going to talk about the evangelist in just a minute who was one of the seven and stayed with him what does that mean Philip was one of the seven he was one of the seven men chosen full of faith full of the Holy Ghost deacons in Acts chapter 6 that they were chosen by the apostles Philip was not an apostle Philip was one of the deacons who later moved into the office of an evangelist alright everybody with me now this man had four daughters who prophesied. So Philip who was an evangelist called of God to be an evangelist had four daughters who virgin daughters who prophesied. So he had four daughters who prophesied, verse 10. And as we stayed many days, now notice this, a certain prophet named Agabus, came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Verse 12. Now when we heard these things, both we and those that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus, verse 14. So when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, The will of the Lord be done. Now here's what I want you to notice. Notice Philip had four daughters that prophesied but Agabus was called a prophet. Okay? He had four virgin daughters that prophesied, but they weren't prophetesses. You say, What's a, is there a female prophet? Oh yeah, prophetesses. Lady prophets. Like the Lady Raiders. The MTSU Blue Raiders and the Lady Raiders. Well, you got prophets and you got lady prophets. Alright? And notice the the four daughters of Philip. Remember, Philip's an evangelist. His four daughters prophesied, but they were not called Lady Prophets. Agabus was called a prophet. So that right there lets us know that it's possible for people to prophesy, speak in their known language under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for edification, exhortation, and comfort, and still not walk in the office of a prophet. Everybody with me? You understand what I'm saying here? And that's a perfect scripture for that. Notice that the prophecy... Now Agabus gave a prophecy, but he confirmed he didn't give Paul direction. He didn't tell Paul something that Paul didn't know. Paul already knew this, what was going to happen. He confirmed what was in Paul's heart. Let's go back and look at it. Verse 11. Acts chapter 21. When he had come to us, Agabus, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and says, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, this prophet. Now what the prophet does is he speaks concerning the future. And notice what he said to Paul. Thus saith the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Listen to what the prophet said to Paul. He said, Paul, you're going to be bound, you're going to be put in prison, and you're going to be given over to people who hate you. It's amazing when people come to me. I've never had anybody in 36 years of ministry, I've never had anybody come to me and say, you know, Pastor, God's called me to suffer for Christ's sake. Everybody's come to me and said, you know, I got a call, I got a prophecy. I had a prophecy over me, I'm going to do great things for God. Well, isn't it amazing? Paul, he had a prophecy... And he said, you're going to be bound and you're going to suffer for my sake. I remember uh, 1983, I'd gone to Trinity. I was 25, Amanda was 22, and all good. And, and uh, I was there about three weeks and a lady came up to me and said, Pastor, I've got a prophecy. I said, okay, glory. She said, I had a dream of you. I said, what was it? She said, and I had a dream of our church. I said, what? She said, I saw chains on the door. They're going to close our church down. You know, when you've only been there three weeks, that's not the prophecy you want to hear. That's not the prophecy. It never had, came to pass, thank God. It never came to pass. You, was she a false prophet? I didn't say that. I just say it never came to pass. Maybe, maybe we prayed it away. I don't know what happened. But notice Paul... Let's go on and read. Now, when he heard these things, both we and those that placed, from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Don't go up there, Paul. They're going to bind you up. They're going to arrest you. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to beat you. They're going to turn you over to the Gentiles. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, The will of the Lord be done. Remember when Paul was called... Remember when the Lord spoke to Ananias and said, Go lay your hands on Paul. He's in the city. Go lay your hands on him. Paul was blind from the vision. He said, Go lay your hands on him, for I must show him the many things he must suffer for my sake. Remember that? When Ananias had to go to Paul and pray for him, he said, the Lord said to Ananias, You go pray for Paul. And Ananias said, Man, I've heard about this guy. He kills people. He puts Christians in prison. I don't want to go pray for him. He said, no, you go, for I've called him and I've showed him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul understood he already had the word of the Lord that there was going to be rough and difficult days ahead for him because of his call of God upon his life. So when the prophet came to him and said this is what's going to happen, it just confirmed what all was already in his heart and in his mind. Likewise, when somebody comes to you and says, The Lord has given me a word for you. You know, I've learned over the years to, to always receive those people with kindness and, and humility, but always take what they say and judge it. To take what they say and judge it. If it confirms something in my heart that I've already got, Praise God, I receive that. It's a confirmation of what God's already been showing me in prayer and what He's been leading me in the direction of my heart. But if it doesn't confirm anything in my heart, I just put it on the shelf. I don't discard it. I don't say, you're stupid, I don't want to hear that. I don't say things like that. I just put it on the shelf and give it time. Everybody with me? So understand there'll be people from time to time and some of you might have had this happen where people will come up to you and they'll say, the Lord has given me a word for you. And sometimes I've had it where men, you would think they were sitting at my kitchen table listening to my conversation with Amanda. They were that direct and that right on target. But then I've had other people that they, they must have heard a word on the other side of Pluto or something. Because it was nothing I had in my heart. I just—I didn't throw it out and say, you're crazy, I'm not going to listen to that. I just put it on the shelf. And just waited to see if there was anything in my life that the Lord was wanting to do or share with me. So, look at 1 Corinthians 14.31. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.31. For you can all... He's writing to the church at Corinth. And listen to what he says. For you can all prophesy... What's prophesy mean? Speaking to men in your known tongue under inspiration, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You can all, everybody say all. You can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. But then look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. So, we're the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. Here we go. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Look at verse 29. Are all apostles? That's a question. Are all apostles? No. It's not a trick question. We're talking about the body of Christ now. Are all apostles? And the answer is... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? So the answer is not everybody operates in those special ministry gifts. But go back to 1 Corinthians 14.31 again... For you all can for you can all prophesy one by one, so understand just because a person prophesies speaks to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort under the inspiration of the holy spirit doesn 't mean they are a prophet, so if somebody in a church service or a Bible study. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit gives a word of prophecy that encourages you and edifies you. Don't go up to them after service or after the Bible study and say, what did the Lord show you I'm going to be doing in two weeks? Because chances are they're not a prophet. Okay? Alright? And let me tell you this. Just because a person is a prophet, this stuff you see on TV, well, everybody comes going to go and get a personal word of prophecy. You've got to be careful about that stuff. You've got to be careful. See, even the prophet can only operate in the prophet's office as the Spirit wills. It's not You don't turn this on and off like a faucet. It's as the Spirit wills. I've been in services where real prophets, men of God who were prophets, did not prophesy one thing. they just get up and teach the Word of God. And then I've been in services where they'd prophesy half the service. It's as the Spirit wills. It's not as man wills. Okay, it's as the Spirit wills. All right. Now, to stand in the office of a prophet, one must have a more consistent manifestation of at least two of the revelation gifts. You say, what's that? Well, maybe we need to do a study on the gifts of the, the Spirit. We've got the ministry gifts and the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And then you got the power gifts, which is special faith, the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. And then you got the revelation gifts, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So to be a prophet, you've got to have a more consistent manifestation of at least two of the revelation gifts, which is the word of knowledge, the word of knowledge... Uh, found in the First Corinthians chapter 12 is supernatural revelation of facts in the mind of God concerning people, places, or things dealing with the present or the past. The word of knowledge has nothing to do with what you learn at university. All right? Thank God for university. I thank God for my university experience. I thank God for MTSU. I thank God for all the good, great universities. I thank God for them. But the word of knowledge has nothing to do with what you learn in humanities class at the university in your freshman year. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation, supernatural revelation of facts that are in the mind of God concerning people, places, or things dealing with the past or present that you did not naturally know. Supernatural revelation of facts that God knows, but that you don't know, but God reveals it to you about people, places, or things dealing with the past or the present. All right, Let me give you a scripture to prove this to you. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote... Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, verse 46. John chapter 1, verse 46. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what they say of Woodbury. Philip said to him, Come and see. Miserita came out of Woodbury, so something good did come out. Philip said, Come and see, verse 47. Jesus, now notice this. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Verse 48. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Verse 20. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So the Lord calls Nathanael, and and Jesus calls him by name, and Nathanael says, How do you know me? And Jesus said, before He even ever called you. I saw what you were standing. I saw what you were doing. I saw where you were. How did He know that? Super revel- supernatural revelation of facts that God knew that Jesus in His fleshly body didn't know, but was revealed to Him. It's the word of knowledge. Okay? It's the word of knowledge. I was on Wednesday night, and, and, and these things... Brother Hagin said it this one He said, pastors need to pray that the word of knowledge would operate through them. And I heard him say that 20, about 25 years ago. And just about every day, I still pray for that. Pray that the word of knowledge. So as a pastor, knowing what, supernaturally what's going on in people's lives can help them sometimes. Build their faith. Release their faith. See? And I was, it was a Wednesday night. And sitting about, wasn't here was at Trinity and All Good, sitting about, about where Miss Rita was. There was a lady that walked in and right after we finished a few songs of worship. And I was teaching like I do now. And a lady sat down and I thought, that's strange. You know, you normally don't have a lot of visitors on Wednesday night, even though our church had got very large at that time. That's strange. I said, that's strange. We normally don't have visitors on Wednesday nights. That's when your solid, faithful people come. And I get an amen from all the solid, faithful people. And... Uh, And I was up there teaching and all of a sudden I walked over to this side and when I did I had, I guess you would refer to it as a mini-vision. And it just, like a screen, went across my mind and I saw that woman whom I'd never seen before that day sitting in her car contemplating killing herself. And that flashed. I mean, it happened just like that. And I knew it. I kept teaching. It so shook me up, I kept teaching. And I'm thinking, boy, I don't know about this. You know, you know, if, if you go up to somebody and say, you're getting ready to kill yourself, and they're not, it might put a thought in their mind that they might need to. So I, I, taught, I just talked back and forth, and I couldn't get away from it. And finally, toward the end of the service, I just walked up to her. I said, have you had a rough day? She started crying, and I just said, the Lord just showed me that you were getting ready to do harm to yourself. And she fell out, fell out into the floor, slain in the Spirit of God, totally delivered and set free that night by the power of God. Now, that's where the word of knowledge operated to help to get a lady set free. If that hadn't happened, I'm not telling what would have happened to her, maybe at the end of the service when she left and went home. That was her final hope. That was her last hope. Brother Hagin said it this way. He said, pastors need to pray that the word of knowledge will operate through them. Whereas a prophet now, to operate in the the ministry of a prophet, in the Old Testament a prophet was also called a seer. A seer, S-E-E-R, someone who saw into the realm of the Spirit. So to operate in the office of a prophet, an individual must have a consistent Manifestation. That kind of thing, the word of knowledge has operated through me frequently, but it's not all the time. A prophet must have a consistent manifestation of t- at least two of the three revelation gifts, which is the word of knowledge, divine facts in the mind of God, concerning people, places, or things, concerning the past or the present, or the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is divine facts in the mind of God, concerning... People, places, and things about the future. About the future, all right. And that's what a lot of prophets you hear. Or prophets are known for being to foresee into the future, into the future, all right. Uh, one time, um, and I can just tell you my experiences. One time, this happens happened to me. I was praying in my office, and all of a sudden, I had another one of these many visions. And I wasn't praying about anything in particular. I wasn't asking for a vision, but I was praying. And over it wasn't this church; it was another church. Over next to the wall, there was people lined up, standing. And I didn't know why they were standing. They were standing over there. And I saw myself during the teaching walk over there and lay hands on a lady. And I saw her getting healed. I didn't know who the lady was. Didn't know anything about the lady. And, and then I saw myself go back and continue teaching. Well, it was, I saw that. All of a sudden, about six months later, I was on a Sunday night. That's back when we had Sunday night services. I was, on a Sunday night, I was teaching the Word. And all of a sudden, at the, I gave an altar call. And there was so many people came forward. They had wrapped around to that side of the wall. And I looked over there. And they were lined up. And when I glanced over there, all of a sudden I remembered there was that lady that I'd seen in the vision six months earlier. There she was. And I'd forgot about that vision until I glanced over there and saw that lady. So I knew enough to know, well, I better be obedient because it's supernatural what has happened. So I just walked over there, didn't ask her her name. Didn't, it didn't make any difference. I didn't in, the, when I, in that vision, I didn't talk to her. I just walked over there and I laid my hands on her and I felt the power of God go in her. And then I walked back and finished the service. Didn't think anything about it other than I told Amanda. I said, that was strange. I saw that lady six months ago. I said, you see me walk over and touch that lady? She said, yeah. You didn't pray for nobody else over there. I said, I wasn't supposed to. I saw myself six months ago in prayer. And that woman, he was here, and I went over and touched her, and she got healed. She said, she get healed? I said, I don't know. I just did what I saw myself do. Okay. Two weeks later, all of a sudden, a man showed up at my office. My secretary rang me and said, this man wants to see you. I said, sure. So he came in. He said, you don't know me. I said, no. In fact, I, he was here there that night. He didn't get up and stand by the lady. He was, sitting in the, he was sitting in the chair. He said, you don't know me, but you prayed for my wife. I said, who's your wife? He said, you remember going over there and praying for a woman standing? I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. He said, she hadn't been able to walk for six months without the help of a cane or a walker. And she's been walking a mile a day without the cane of a walker since you laid hands on her. Now that was the word of wisdom, supernatural revelation of facts in the mind of God concerning the future. I saw it six months prior and then it happened six months later. See, if I hadn't had that, I'd just seen people lined up because they couldn't get up to the front. Everybody with me? So understand this, a prophet, now I'm not a prophet because it doesn't happen consistently. I'd love for it to. I'd love to be able to say, you better straighten up. I see something about you. I wish that would happen, especially when you got teenagers. Boy, wouldn't that be great if the prophet's ministry operated through you every Friday and Saturday night. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But it just doesn't. So I'm not a prophet. It's just happened periodically. But a prophet is one who has a consistent manifestation of the Word of Wisdom Word of knowledge, they're seeing things supernaturally. Or discerning of spirits. What's discerning of spirits? That's seeing into the spirit realm. Seeing into the spirit realm. The majesty of Christ, demons, angels, things of that nature. And uh, so a prophet must have a more uh, consistent manifestation of those things. Now, here's, here's a good one. I'll close with this one. Here's a good one of discerning of spirits. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 8. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 8. Now the king of Syria, people, you, you know, you, you watch the news today and you hear all this stuff that's going on in Syria. and all. The, they've been fighting for years over there. 2 Kings chapter 6. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. Verse 9, And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of one of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, the king of Syria said, We're going to go and trap them down here at this location. And every time they would get ready to go down there, the, the, the armies of Israel wouldn't be there because the man of God had already... Heard it by the Spirit of God that that's where the enemy was going to be. And he warned the king of Israel. And finally the king of Syria says, Who in my army is giving out the information? He thought he had a rebel in his ranks that was sharing with the king of Israel his plans. Therefore the heart, verse 11, the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the, kings, the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. See, the prophet was in the, could hear in the spirit what was going on. So he said, Go and see where he is, and I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore as he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. They was getting ready to kill him. He sent this army to kill the prophet. And when the servant of the man of God arose earlier, the servant of Elisha arose and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, My master, what shall we do? So the servant gets up early and he goes out and all of the army of Syria has surrounded the city and they're getting ready to kill Elijah. Verse 16, So Elijah answered, Do not fear, for those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. He saw into the rim of the Spirit. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. He saw the angelic host of God that was around, that you could only see into the rim of the Spirit. That's the discerning of the Spirit. Any spirit filled believer may have occasional manifestations of these gifts as the Spirit wills and the need arises. But a prophet would have a more consistent manifestation of them. A prophet is one who has visions and revelations. All right? Stand up with me, would you?